0: Welcome to The Jesus Calling Podcast. Shonda Pierce is an Emmy-nominated comedian and the IRAA's most awarded female comic in history. She has been a television host, author, and now actress. In addition to 10 successful albums to date, she has also authored 8 books, including Laughing in the Dark, which inspired a documentary by the same name. While Shonda was bringing joy to others through laughter, behind the scenes she was experiencing great challenges and loss. She shares about her battle with depression and her resolution to always tell the truth, no matter how hard it might be.
1: God knew exactly what family to put me in, and He put me in a little, small church, you know, in the South with a with a, with a father who struggled with mental illness, a, a mother who, you know, trained us to keep every secret. But I love that. I always tease and say, you know, it's a good thing I grew up in a holiness church, because can you imagine how I would have turned out? <laughs> I'd be a star in Vegas, that's what I'd be. <laughs> my sisters and my brother and I, we were we were very close. And sadly, uh, when I became a teenager, my big sister was 20 when she was killed in a car accident. We had just moved to the Nashville area. That was hard. And then about 19, 20 months later, my little sister, uh, we found out she had leukemia and she passed away in 21 days. And so I lost both my sisters by the time I was out of high school and that tragedy i think was also the catapult to just really end the marriage and my parents divorced um and it was one of those very public and sad and embarrassing things that a little teeny tiny community finds out that the preacher's you know having an affair and it was just it was messy you know it's just a messy life and an embarrassing way to end a you know ministry and all of that and my brother married and moved away to Ohio and began his life as he should, and I went to college, and I struggled, really, to tell you the truth, probably struggling to put all of that in perspective. I was a theater arts major, and I loved being in plays, I loved the escaping of a, of a production, and I got a job at Operaland, which was a theme park, and I thought it would be a great summer job, and I fell in love with the role they gave me to impersonate Minnie Pearl. And the only reason they gave me that role is because I didn't know how to dance because I grew up where dancing will send you straight to hell in a handbasket. And and I said the, the the inability to dance is what gave me a career. I just fell in love with the sound of the laughter. It it became the more of a um of an interest to me than singing a song or the applause of people. I loved the laughter and Looking back now, with hindsight, I realized God was using the medicine that I so desperately needed and the medicine He designed to, to change my life. And I, I, I fell in love with that medicine first. And the, the sound of the laughter and the joy that it brought my life was, was uh, such a sweet gift, never thinking I would enter into some type of an idea of a career. At that particular time in my life, I met my high school sweetheart and we became, you know, uh, just head over heels for each other. We eventually married and lo and behold, you know, got involved in a little local church and just trying to figure out who I am. And then I got serious with the Lord. <laughs> and I always tell people, I don't know what your, you know, theology is, but I got saved 342 times. Finally, one of those times, it really did start strike me, you know, and I really did want to, I wanted to tell the world what the Lord had brought me through and how He had brought laughter to to my life and what an intriguing, beautiful gift it was. I would uh, entertain at my little local church. I remember we had a Valentine banquet and somebody canceled out on the last minute to come entertain our little church. And my pastor said, put your, put your mini pearl dress on and, you know, give us 15 minutes and then give a word of testimony because, you know, we're desperate and it's like a, you know, a, a moment was born in my life, and never, never focused on. I'm going to build a massive career of this. You just take the next step, and before long, the phone's ringing, and you know, I meet a fella that says, you, you know, you should go on tour with Mark Lowry, and I'm like, well, who is Mark Lowry? And and, and as the rest they say is history. It's those truthful things that I have shared on the stage. I think. Is probably what's given me a 25 year career the truth is what has set me free every day of my life um, is being completely honest and the first person i learned that i've had to be completely honest with is god and when i have been completely honest with him about where i've what i'm feeling where i'm at uh you know Father, just hold me in this moment. You may not heal this moment, but sustain me through this. Hold me through this. The Jesus Calling came along in my life when I had been through a deep, deep depression. And about the same time, my sister-in-law and my brother were near divorce. She was a pastor's wife, and it was just a broken time for our family. It just seemed like we were bombarded from every side. Man, what a tender Time that it came, and Doris and I would sit, and in my darkest days, she would just read one after another, one after another, and it was written in a way where it was fresh and new, and under helped the word to be understanding. And when you are deeply depressed, and you can't even focus on words on a page, just hearing it in that way, uh, it brings it to life again. You know, it's a, it's a, it's been a tender journey. It's been a you know what people don't see behind the scenes is uh, I hope well what I hope they see behind the scenes is the love story that I have with the Lord is is how we've just been in this together from the start and I do believe that God allows us to deal with things as he's ready for them to unfold in our life and ready to purge them out to me to me I think of our minds as a a, a bowl of marbles, you know, and there are times when we can lose a few marbles in order for God to put some good stuff in. And so I I, I think that's kind of how my depression came about. I was uh, late 40s, uh, you know, um, maybe mid 40s when um, I just I kept thinking I had this horrible headache I could never get rid of. I wanted to sleep all the time. I had very little appetite, you know, uh, my I, my body was definitely doing something to warn me, you know, and then um, I had a, just a minor surgery of something very simple, and it could be the doctor says even the being put to sleep can reset your brain chemistry, you know, and all those things accumulated at at the right moment at the perfect storm, and I found myself in deep, deep depression, crying all the time, just sad about life. You know, all the sadness of my life. I just could not get over it. I couldn't uh, focus on future. I just, I thought too, you know, my, my career is over. Ministry is never again going to be in the works for me because people will hear you're depressed, you know. Um, and and just the, just the nature of my job is to make everybody laugh. So now what will we do? We're a two-paycheck family, you know, and, and, uh, all those things that, this, that just come about during those dark seasons, I got suicidal. I don't know that I would have ever followed through with it, but I did confess to my daughter one morning that I, I was afraid. And she said, what are you afraid of? I said, because I was laying here thinking of how I could get on the rocks in the backyard and jump in the river. I lived on the river then. And, um, and she says, well, Mom, are you wanting to kill yourself? I said, no, oh, I just don't want to be alive. And she was smart enough as an adult daughter you know to go in and tell her daddy. And I you know I later have a funny story about see she told my husband, my husband told the pastor, the pastor told the doctor, the doctor told Verizon Network <laughs> and they all took me to Vanderbilt Psychiatric Hospital you know and I and I praise God that they did. I don't know that I would have ever followed through, but what I learned about my body and about my mind and about depression, at Vanderbilt was life changing and was something that has carried me through now for the last 12 years afterwards, you know. But as you know, as we all do, when we think we're an expert about something, we write a book about it. And I wrote a book called Laughing in the Dark about what I was learning about how to push back on that. Sometimes people are depressed, they just are down. And you look at your body, you look at your circumstance, and I, I tell ladies this every night from the platform if you're if you lost your husband last year and and you're just have still have tough days climbing out of the tenderness and you hear a song on the radio and it sets you back a couple of hours, you know, your body is doing exactly as it should do. It is triggering in you the emotion that was created for this moment. If you've lost your job last week and you're just really worried and struggling, your body is exactly doing what it should. Now, the converse is true. If you lost your husband 10 years ago and you still can't seem to function then we need to go talk to somebody. You know, we need to begin to climb out of that dark. And, and Or everything in your life is great and you still wake up crying every morning. Then then that's a trigger of going, okay, there's something deeper at work here. That's the place to start looking. Uh, what did happen in your childhood? What is some things that maybe the devil is using to whisper negative thoughts in your ears? And let's let's begin to repair some of that. And there is such hope. I have not had a deep, dark, depressing episode in probably 10 years. And that is just the healing power of Jesus. And I I tell the crowd this all the time, the healing power of Jesus and 150 milligrams of Effexor.
0: (laughs) As Shonda began to heal from the trauma of her past and move beyond depression, she had yet to face another unexpected tragedy and loss that would require her to lean on the Lord in a whole new way. Once again, Shonda.
1: As dysfunctional as my childhood was, It was still rooted in the Word of God. It was still rooted in good stuff. i would still experienced children's church and worship services and incredible music, you know, and so the at at the peel away all the dirt and the mud and the mire, there was a rock solid foundation there that was all about Jesus. And so that never returns void. So you take that and, and I look at my husband's life and in his childhood, he did, was not raised that way. Now, he came to know Jesus when he was um, you know, a, a high school student, and then his walk with the Lord grew and matured from there, and we we had a, a godly home, and we worked at all that. But the very root of, and the foundation of his life was steeped in alcoholism. His father was an alcoholic, every male in his family was an alcoholic. You know, his mother was, was very dysfunctional, you know, and so that was the root of underneath the mud of his childhood, there was not a a good strong foundation. And so when sadness came to our home and you can't be married for 31 years and not have the ups and downs, especially for a wife that travels too much, you know, um, we had a daughter who married and, and gave birth to a little boy and somewhere in all of that, they decided to, to have a very limited time with, with the family. They eventually broke off completely from everybody, from their grandparents, from us, from my brother, you know, from everybody. For David and I, it was a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. It was the worst thing we had ever been through in our lives, we felt like. You know, it was just, you know, the crying out and the pleading, can we see our grandbaby? Can You know, it was just tough. And, and for the foundation of where I was, I just would cry out to God, and I would lean on you know girlfriends and I would and I would get busy and work let me just go work and tell people about Jesus you know David secretly spiraled into alcohol and um I remember one time him collapsing at home I thought he was having you know a seizure of some sort and he came to bed late and I was trying to get him in the bed and I said something is wrong with you honey and and uh, I know this sounds so bizarre but this is how I had guess I had my head in the sand but uh I, took, I called an ambulance and I, I thought he was having a seizure. I called my son, who was upstairs in his room. I said, Come help me get dad in the car. And, and we couldn't get him in the car. And an ambulance came and we went to the hospital and they began to run tests because he here's this beautiful English professor and brilliant man and marathon runner. And all of a sudden he's not, he can't focus, he can't make a sentence. <laughs> and they ran tests and said, Ma'am, your husband's not having a seizure, he's drunk you could have just said your, I'm sorry, your husband is an alien from Mars, you know, he has green blood, it just absolutely shocked the daylights out of me, and I, you know, and then I began to pay attention, and I went to the garage, and I found his stash, and I noticed how much gum he chooses to hide his breath, and so then he couldn't hide his secret, and it became an, an, a a full-out war, you know, that, that we fought together, and, uh, for five years, and it was a five-year, you know, sober a few days, not sober a few days, in and out of rehab, and eventually, he had a stroke and um uh, and he died, and it um, and it was hard. It it was hard. We you know, uh, my daughter did come and visiting, but it is still an unresolved sadness in my life that we just pray every day and give to the Lord every day. But it was a shock. Secrets are no good. You know, and he he tried to carry on. He tried to be bold and brave. And I knew nothing about how to handle it. And and so I, I think sometimes I handled it great, and then sometimes I handled it terrible. It's madness. It is just madness. And I'm at the place in my grief where I can remember now those tumultuous days. And I'm so happy he's at peace. I'm so glad he's in the hands of Jesus. Um, He's at rest, and he's not sad, and he's not lamenting grandchildren, and he's not, you know, he's not worried and striving, and, you know, so God has worked all things for good. He has taken everything that we've, we've, you know, waded through, the mud that we walked out of, he has washed it off and made such great, clean, pristine, wonderful pictures out of it. What the Word of God does for me, and things like the Jesus Calling book, and what that does for me is it puts words on a page that does not change with my mood. It doesn't change with how I feel, and our feelings are fleeting. And, you know, praise God that if you're down and you've lost your job and you're struggling to make ends meet, I promise you this will pass. If you're grieving and you've lost someone you love, I promise you this will pass. In other words, even the traumatic things that we go through, they will come and go in our lives. We are in this world and it is a mess. But Jesus says, I have overcome this world. So in other words, you have to go back to the word of God based on the fact that I choose to believe it. And when you take that word as fact, that I believe this, then your faith interacts with that, and you you have a life preserver
0: that will get you through anything. To find out more about Shonda's books, movies, and tour, please visit Shonda.org. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with country music legend T. Graham Brown. T has recorded over 13 studio albums and charted more than 20 singles on the Billboard charts, three of them being number one hits. T is candid about his past struggles with addictions and describes how a special song became a prayer that changed the course of his life.
1: I wrote Wine Into Water with Bruce Birch and Ted Hewitt. And Bruce is a hit songwriter. He's had multiple number ones as a writer. So I wouldn't sing it, man. I was drunk. I couldn't bring myself to sing it. It was a prayer. That's all that song is, is a prayer. Please, please help me. I'm at the bottom of my rope. It was five years, I guess. Sheila kept trying to get me to sing it, and I I couldn't sing it, because it was a lie, you know? You can't con God. You can't run from Him, you
0: can't hide from Him. You just can't con God. He knows the score. Hey, He's God. The featured passage for today comes from the March 30th entry of the Jesus Always audiobook.
2: I am the light from on high that dawns upon you to give light to those who sit in darkness. Sometimes your circumstances are so difficult and confusing that you feel as if you're surrounded by darkness. Your mind offers up various solutions to your problems but you've already tried them without success. So you fret and wonder what to do next, feeling helpless and frustrated. At times like this, you need to look up and see my light shining down upon you. Gaze at me in childlike trust, resting in my presence. Let go of problem-solving efforts for a while. Cease striving and know that I am God. As you relax in my presence, Remember that I am the Prince of Peace. The more of me you absorb, the more peaceful you will be. Breathe me in with each breath. After resting with me for a while, tell me about your troubles, trusting me to help you with them. Stay close to me, my child, and I will guide your feet into the way of peace.
0: Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.